Amigos, amigas, another edition of the Mexican Soccer Show is here. I think we're going around six weeks of us being in quarantine. I think when we got the news that there was going to be no more games or games have been canceled, I think the sporting news kind of got a quarantine first with large gatherings, and then we decided, hey, let's continue this Mexican Soccer Show, but we're here. An hour-long podcast dedicated to all things Mexican football and everything that's happening during this time, and we'll uh, just jump right in and say hello to our guest today, Mr. Tom Marshall there in CDMX. Mr. Tom, ¿cómo estás? ¿Todo bien? That's me. That's yeah, you. not bad. <laughs> yeah, not doing bad. How about you guys? Still quarantined, still uh, staying in in your penthouse high-rise in Ciudad de Mexico. I've, you know, yeah, the gym yeah. up at the top. I mean, you got to, to be quarantined, I've been to your establishment, Tom. You're... You have it pretty nice. I'm just going to throw it out there for those of you guys that don't know. It's not bad. You got a pool, but, um, gym, high yeah, rise, rooftop. The gym, well, the gym's out of bounds. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh, that's people using it. So I can have a little, it's not a swimming pool, it's like a swimming <laughs> lane. It is, it, yeah. It's, <laughs> like, it's, like, it's like a little swimming lane, 10 meter lane. It's pretty cool. But yeah, no, it's, yeah, I've been swimming actually, yeah. I've been swimming quite a lot. Um, and yeah, no, it's been it's been all right. I mean, obviously, it'd be nice to have like a garden. To be honest, it'd be like it'd be amazing to have a garden right now. You know <laughs> what I mean? There's like there's actually the the flats right below us, the the apartments below, like on the first floor. They obviously have like kind of little apartment, a little garden, and it's like you see them at the oh, weekend, okay. and they get this like they've got kids and that, and they get like the paddling pool, out, and it's like pretty nice weather right now, and I'm just like jealous. Just like, oh, I'd love to be sitting in that, <laughs> in that paddling pool. Right I know. Now. And they have a little barbecue and stuff. I'm like, oh, man, these guys are living it up. Oh. Yeah, you said garden. I was like, well, you can get a garden. I seen, oh, okay, like an actual, like, como un jardín, like a garden type. Speaking of garden, we'll go to Mr. Cesar, who's got, uh, yeah. growing a garden. Maybe not the same type of garden. Oh, but... Tom, I've got a garden. You got a garden. But I, but I think that's what Tom's thinking, like, a, a yard, right? Is that, is that... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I was like a garden. Yeah, well, yeah you can just get a garden, I, but I think he means like a yard. So <laughs> yeah, yard with with greenery that's his, in the his English uh, tr- <laughs> coming out here. Cesar San Diego, what's up, man? I I know you're rearranging now. Uh, yeah, I saw some steps. Yeah, so. You're putting some some great stuff on Instagram of what where your plants are going and yeah, because because originally I had my little garden space. But I'm moving that garden space now down to the common area of the apartment, and no one's saying anything yet. So cool, I get to keep my garden, and if anybody wants to use it, they can use all my like different plants. Um, what but plants also, do you have? My, uh, f- we said what kind or how many? Oh, how? Give us some info, man. Let's. Well, let's see. I've, I've got some chives. I've got some mint. I have a sunflower. I've got some. Let's see what else? Some green onions. Uh, every now and then I'll have some like veggies coming through. There got go, some flowers. Go. Yeah, dude, no, I'm, I'm doing all right. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, so right now the big thing is, um, so I'm moving the, the all the garden stuff down to kind of like the common area, of the apartment, and then I'm turning my patio into more so just like a little hangout space because you know we can't leave. So now we're just I don't know, just me and the girlfriend. We're just drinking out on the on the, on the porch every now and then with mm-hmm. our tables and chairs because. Yeah, yeah. Can't can't really leave the apartment too much these days. Nope, 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 no. All right, cool, cool. Continuing the staying at home, the quarantine. Uh, 
for I, I feel like we're we're seeing at least a little bit, kind of like we're out in the window. I'm like, it's, things are going to open. I know there's controversies about some states opening some things early, but or at least around the world, we're, we're seeing some of those countries that maybe three weeks before we started were we're in uh, complete quarantine and are being uh, already starting to open. Some leagues around the world are already coming together. I feel like there's a lot of planning going on right now. So uh, hopefully we're. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a month. I don't know. I don't know how long this is going to be. Who knows? Man, Who knows? At least we're seeing people starting to talk about, you know, some of the numbers yeah. are the, the flattening the curve, at least in some of the bigger cities and, and others not so likely. So we'll see how this is going on. But nevertheless, yeah. we'll I mean, I mean, I think I think we've seen some reports this week as well about, you know, Mexico, the League of MX potentially, mm-hmm. you know, having some. I mean, you know, the official word is that they've been they've set five dates. There's five yeah. potential kind of scenarios of, of when things can start up again. Um, but one of them's in May, which I think is, you know, oh. pushing it a lot. Yeah. But I think from, from, from a couple of reports that I've seen, um, it looks like what they're really trying for and that, that they think is realistic is going to be starting in early July. And um closed doors. And then you get the preseason because the clubs are going to need minimum two weeks yeah. training. You start that in mid-June. Um, and obviously, I don't know, I still think it's ambitious, to be honest, um, because, you know, it's still, Mexico's still rising. It's not rising at the same, the numbers aren't rising at the same way as they have, as they have in other countries. Um, but it's still early, you know. It's still, you don't know how, you know, it's not, we haven't seen that curve, you know. It's not even, we're still on the up, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, well, so we've got to be careful. Like but yeah, on, at, the, at the subways, like, there's like video of like webcams on the subways and it's just like completely packed. The thousands and thousands of people in Mexico every yeah. single day. Yeah, no, I mean it's there's yeah, it's difficult to shut you down hundred percent. I mean mm-hmm. no, you know, I, get I don't that. I get that. I'm not sure the latest but I, th- I think in Zacatecas or somewhere it like traffic had only gone down like twenty percent or something. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, I don't know, it gives you perspective, but hopefully um, hopefully, you know, things do work out. And, and I don't know. I mean, I think that's what they're looking for. They're looking for July. You cram it all in and maybe you start the, the kind of Apertura 2020 a little bit later, but you can kind of get it in before the end of the year yeah. if they start in that early July. You know what I mean? You have a week off or whatever you need, or maybe you go straight into it. And then by the end of the year, you know, obviously you'd probably have to play through Christmas, but you could finish that season, you know, by the end of 2020. But I think that's. I, I still think it's very ambitious. Yeah, and I think right now, I mean, I think the word that I use the most in recent weeks when it comes to, I mean, just soccer in general, is just unknown. You know, and I think there's just once again, there are just so many unknowns. Who knows what we're going to be talking about a week from now? Who knows what we're talking about like two weeks, three weeks from now when we're talking about the amount of cases that are in Mexico, that are about cases around the world, and how that impacts. Um, you know the potential return of the league in July or August or I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll see which one of the schedules they have to choose from. But yeah, I think it's just things things change quite quickly, and we've seen a lot of leagues you know set certain dates and then they change those dates, and you do wonder if that might potentially uh, happen within Liga Mikes. Was it the Bundesliga that canceled the season altogether for the for the year? No, Bundesliga wants to return. Uh, it was uh, the Eredivisie who, who cancelled yeah, their season canceled. altogether. And Argentina as well, interestingly, it was suspended relegation mm-hmm. until 2022 today. Yeah. Well, they're going to confirm it on Tuesday, but um, the, the AFA president was, was saying that today, which is interesting because obviously it fits in with what we're, what we're talking about in terms of the Mexican second division. 
and um, you know that that kind of having that security. Um, and also Diego Maradona's club Gimnasia stay up as well so that's an extra little bonus (laughs) well that's lots of different news around the world Uh, let's just um, I mean great intro we're always trying to give an update of what's happening with obviously the state of COVID and soccer and how that impacts uh, Mexico and impacts all of us and we're seeing it out there we'll continue to just chat about it but um we're gonna this show is going to be a continuation of last week lots and lots of questions regarding liga Amekis and the new rules with the second division um and what's happening so we're just uh we're going to touch a little bit more on that and uh just you know straight straight just go right into it i mean uh we we talked about last week a show that was really really insightful uh adriana did an amazing job and um yeah let's let's go into it tom what what are the you know, now after a week after it's at least settled, we still don't. I mean, the one of the big question was what was going to happen to that second division. That uh, you know, that where was it going to be? Twenty-three year olds that are coming in. What was that going to look like? What are the news that are coming out? And let's have a discussion about you know, is it at least looking a little better on the clear, on a clearer picture? And how are people taking it? Yeah, I mean, I, no, I think things are becoming clearer. Um, I think that, you know, obviously last Friday there was a statement, um, there was the official vote, although, you know, as much as people are kind of saying it's not official until this vote, it's like, if Mexico, if the guy announces it, it's, you know, he's going to, it's not going to get voted down, you know what I mean? So, uh, so, so all the, all the divisions basically voted for it, the press release said it was unanimous, but we know that, especially within Liga MX and the Ascenso, it was a split vote, so... So, yeah, I mean, the big question after that, once the promotion relegation has been kind of decided that it's going to be going to be suspended, um, it's, it's what's the second division going to be look like? And I think the first thing that kind of shocked us a little bit was that promotion relegation is suspended for six years and mm-hmm. not five years. This is very much in line with the World Cup, which, you know, is going to happen in the summer of 2026. We're now in April. And so... You know, it's not going to be till 2027. I don't think I've ever said 2027, but, you know, it's not going to be till 2027 that we actually see promotion and relegation again. Um, obviously, I mean, I think, you know, Cesar mentioned it last week and, and we can talk about it as well. I think it's interesting. We, we have to wait and see if that is actually going to happen because I think it's a big talking point. And, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so the, the bottom three clubs in the Liga MX relegation table, which has worked out over the past three years or six seasons points per game, um, will be paying a total part of 9.6 million US dollars a year, which will then be shared between the 12 second division clubs, which are currently in the league, which works out about 845,000 US dollars per year. Now that, that money is going to come from the, the last place in the, in the Liga MX relegation table is 4.8 million US dollars, second to last 2.8, and the third to last 2 million. So you can see what they've done there. It's kind of a parachute mm-hmm. payment. It's kind of a like, right, you're not going to go get relegated, but you are, you are going to get financially punished for finishing low down in the table. And that money, in theory, then goes to second division clubs so they can improve and in the the world of you know Lee Wex Ascenso FMF, those second division clubs then improve enough that after six years 
all of a sudden they can get promoted. So um, so yeah, I think that's that's kind of how they've how they've sold it. I think. Um, but yeah, I mean reports coming out that um, you know I think I'm, I, I've been mentioning it quite consistently, but you know I, I was quite confident that league MX clubs would be creating a kind of reserve team and putting it in and and you know it does look like that's going to happen the statement said it the league MX teams will be invited um from reports i've read you know pumas cruz azul both of those teams actually have have a side right now in the third division uh america, america chivas tigres and the six um the six first division teams that could field a team in the second division but we all know that Careto and Cholos already have um, Dorados, and we know that Pachuca and León already have Mineros de Zacatecas. So, and Santos, Luna, and Atlas have got Tampico, and so there's already it already kind of exists that that yeah. kind of system. But yeah, so so yeah, you've got that, and then you're going to have three teams or two or yeah, three teams. They're going to get promoted from the third division to the second division. Uh, statement just released that um, it's, they want to do it in kind of a sporting sense. They don't want to just pick the teams because there was a there was reports that Cafesa, which is a club from from Guadalajara, that uh, Tlaxcala and Tepatitlan would be the three clubs. But it looks like it's going to be played out. It looks like Tepatitlan is almost guaranteed because one of the places is going to go to the to the general leader of the of the regular season table, and they're they're quite a long way ahead already. With not much of the season to go, so so the idea is, if they can, they're going to have a playoff, and then then they'll decide. Then they'll decide who, um, which other two teams go up. But um, but yeah, I think it just it sounds it a bit. good. And I mean, I'm kind of, I want to be hopeful know, yeah. for it, but I'm like, okay, well, you know what, the bot the bottom teams will pay money, and and it's like okay, and you know, hope everything sounds good in theory, but yeah. then you start thinking about how. What really is working well when when you know the FMF and yeah. everyone gets involved, you know, multi ownership and then the 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 rule for you know the it's it's just so much that needs to happen to work perfectly and I'm just like I don't think that's not how it's gonna work and I, that's where I'm just kind of like if you can assure me it's gonna work great I think there's it's, it's a plan but I, I just don't trust yeah it. I, I have a I have a lot of questions about the money however however much uh, yeah Tom tweeted out uh, the exact numbers. Uh, out there because 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 i now have two questions i guess two scenarios that come to mind and the first one is let's say i don't know let's your Queretaro and you finish in last and you have to pay the the 4.8 uh, million dollars and, and if the idea here is to strengthen first division clubs won't you be putting teams that are performing terribly at a more serious dis- disadvantage by then finding them and could this actually help push away the parity of Liga Mekis and push teams like Monterrey or Tigres even further away from the smaller clubs in the league. Or, yeah. I, I, or I think another question I have too is like, okay, maybe there's a little flip side to, to this. You know, because, I mean, who maybe the numbers are out there, but I don't know how much more money and investment these teams will be getting now that relegation is gone. But let's say it's enough to easily cover a part or perhaps even most, if not all, of the fines. Does that then defeat the purpose? I know they're still losing millions. Obviously, they're still losing millions. But I'm getting at here is that I'm wondering is that if if that fine, is there a chance that that fine won't be enough of an incentive to strengthen certain teams? Yeah, no, the, I mean completely valid, completely valid points. Um, in terms of the strengthening teams, I think teams are going to want to be competitive. I mean, I know that's a regular. 
you know, it's regularly used as an argument for promotion relegation for that to, to be competitive. And you can't, you know, you, you can't replicate it. You can't replicate that desperation that you need to turn something round. Um, and the other, you know, that you, you can you can twist the argument as round as well. You can say that without that, there might be actually teams in Mexico that are willing to actually invest in a proper project. You know what I mean? A, a, a kind of longer term plan to, to turn the club around. I mean, they've got time now. And there's no back, there's there's a backstop. You yeah. know, there's, there's nothing to stop them dropping down. They know that their investment is is secure. It's not going anywhere. And even if it's not working in three three years time, you can potentially sell your club. Um, and so so yeah, I'd, I'd say that. And then what was the first one again? So I can't remember. Well, I was, I was saying that like I was saying that you're, the, yeah, the you're your cadetro is, is that going to be because right now we talk about Liga Mekis you know, as a league pay of pay the parity. players or pay the league. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm saying like a, a league of parity, a league of parity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, as in like like it's kind of like fairly balanced. But could this actually help push teams like Monterrey just even further away from the smaller cl- clubs in the league? And I know maybe that's not a big deal, but I'm just wondering if that's a possibility. No, yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, I think like, um, I think it's you, you don't want to see it. You don't want to see a, a club like Puebla that we we don't really know who the owner is to Puebla. I mean, it's a mystery. Because you've got someone running the club, and then it's pretty much a given that Deve Azteca is running it. Everybody kind of in the industry um, kind of just assumes that. Because basically, Puebla was struggling financially. Deve Azteca came in, gave him a forward, and kind of took took, took over the club. Um, and so, yeah, so you worry about clubs like that. On the other side, I think the, the making a kind of bet, the wagering, that there's going to be new investment. I mean, I think this is the this is one of the big things, the wagering that the in the future a club like Puebla, which for me is a massively att- attractive club. I mean, the stadium's not terrible. It's been done it's up quite stadium. recently. It looks yeah. it looks spectacular from the outside. You I know, think when we you forget how big it. that stadium is sometimes too. Like when you look at some of the bigger stadiums in Mexico, I forget about that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's big and and um, and you know Puebla's a city that isn't. Um, the best stuff economically, but at the same time, it's a massive city. I mean, that Puebla should be one of the best teams in in Liga MX, so they should be pushing. You know, they've, they've got you know history there as well. Um, but yeah, I think I think one of the one of the one of the the wagering on it. So I think. I mean, I think the same basically. Yeah, I mean, it's not a perfect model, um, but we're, we're hoping that we're going to get new investment, which will then mean a team like Puebla potentially can then. Hope, have the finances to compete with Tigres and that and that you you maintain that kind of level or even increase it, but there's no doubt it's a concern. I mean, it, I'd be lying if I said you know this is definitely all going to go smoothly. I mean, the other thing that I'm I'm really really concerned at is in the second division. I mean, you look at those numbers and on paper they might look big, but if you if you, you know if you're a second division club and they're giving you eight hundred thousand eight hundred fifty thousand US dollars a year, and it's like they're then expecting you to get to the level of a, a Liga MX club to yeah. get that certification in six years. It's like over the course of six years, what's that? Four, four between you know maybe four, four point five million. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's that in in kind of you know in football terms? I mean, it's absolutely it's very very little. It's very unlikely that the team is going to be able to improve based off that money. Now, you know, it's it's again going to they're going to need outside money. You know what I mean? And, and if they get the collective t- TV deal, then I think it might help. I do think the fact that it looks like some of these big League of Mets clubs are going to be in there, I think that helps the TV deal. 
yeah, but at the same time, the neg- I mean, but the negative is if you don't have that promotion, then I don't know. It does take the edge away. There's no doubt about it. You don't because you know there's not that promotion game that used to get you know big numbers. Are you going to attract a Maradona, who you know was a massive boost to this league for a year? Um, you know, so so there are there are questions as well. And then you know the same thing. What I was saying about the money. I mean, Tlaxcala and you know Sefasa. I mean, I don't know if they're going to go up, but they were just like a youth production center in Guadalajara. You know, they don't have fans. Tepatitlan is a very is a small town in Jalisco. I mean, it's not a tiny town, but it's not a big town in Los Altos. I mean, is that gonna is in six years? Is that going to be a first division club along the lines of? You know this plan for Liga MX, which is obviously, you know, is more of a franchise system that you're kind of inviting people in. I mean, th- these are the these are the concerns I think. And then it goes back to what Cesar was saying last week. How can you're going to open it up after six years? Yeah. Because for me, it has to open up after six years. You can't do all this and then shut them out because this is the consistent problem with Mexican football. You can't trust people. You can't trust what the what the plan is because there's something always, you know, smoke and mirrors, something always going on behind the scenes. Now, if you sell me this project and you tell me, you give me a hundred percent guarantee that in six years this all opens up, you know what? I might buy it. You know what I mean? I don't mind it. I don't mind, you know, the fact that it looks like there's gonna be eight, you know, only eight overage players um per squad. You know, so so you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of young Mexican players getting a lot of opportunities. You know, the fact that it's now going to be 20 teams and not 12 teams, which creates about another, what, 180 um, new places for players. You know, so you're going to... they Actually, the the pool for, for clubs to... For players to play at is actually going to be bigger. Um, obviously, you're taking away that dream of getting promoted and there's no... You can't... There's no way of kind of dressing that up. That's just an absolute fact. But if you, if you, if you tell me that in six years... That you're going to re-establish it, and that a good amount of these clubs are, are going to qualify for that certificate to then get into Liga MX, whatever the system looks like. Then I, I might buy it, but that's that's man. They, 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 they only stuck with the original game plan for like a week. Like it was like so it was supposed to be it was supposed to be five it was supposed to be five years, and a week later, like no 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 no, we meant six. Well, the, the official <laughs> statement says six. Uh, seasons, five seasons, I think. Like it didn't even say years. Yeah, it says seasons. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> I was, I was confused. I was confused by that at first. I was like, wait, 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 wait a second. But then, so, I, I, then I, I, then I realized that they meant like, as in like the two tournaments in one season. I was like, wait, so it's two and a half years? Is cut three years? What we're um, I again, everything in theory sounds like it's gonna be okay. But again, what what's gonna happen in two years? And uh, and it's from both sides. The FMF, not you know. Like the smoke and mirrors, like you said, Tom. But at the same time, those smaller clubs that are like, yeah, we're not investing that money. Um, what are they going to do? You know, they're going to open this back up. And I feel like, I feel like maybe some teams here or some owners, especially the second division, coming together and creating like a make uh, like two teams coming together, the money, the fans, and everybody and creating a new team. And obviously, the, there's the logistics and all that. But really having four or five solid teams that are able to do that and then anybody else that can follow and i just feel like it's going to be almost the same thing we're going to get to that that day and you know they're going to open up the the second division and and they're going to get promoted and it's going to be a team that's not going to be able to do it because they can't the certificate and all that and you know they're the franchise things gonna happen it's like nothing's really going to change 
Yeah, yeah. So it's like I don't but, really but necessarily here, trust but here, everything. But here's the thing here, though, is that like I, I mentioned this in the last podcast, but you know this is the most we've talked about the second division for obvious reasons because everything's changed, everything's up in the air. But I am now for the first time in years like genuinely really interested and kind of excited to to see the second division return and to actually watch some of those games. And that's not how I felt you know, a handful of months ago. That's not how I felt last year. I've never really felt this interested in the Saka division. Now I feel genuinely, you know, fascinated by what's going to be happening. And I wonder if a lot of other Mexican soccer fans feel the same. Maybe fans outside of Mexico as well, just to see what's happening in this new second division. You know, so so maybe, I, maybe I'm feeling a little hopeful here, but maybe they it'll actually be surprisingly strong at first. And if so, I think the question is, how can they maintain... Uh, that attention may take that popularity, but yeah. I know I, 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 yeah. I feel, I'm feeling quite hopeful because yeah, I'm, I'm still interested. <laughs> Shameless plug for Influx Nation: We've had always second division uh, stories at our Twitter on Saturdays <laughs> and Sunday that no one ever retweets or anything like that. Goals and everything. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Tom, you're about to say. No, yeah, I mean, I think the collective TV deal is key because yeah. I think yeah. the collective TV deal will be on, would be on top of the 850 thousand a year per team. So if you add that into the equation as well, and maybe you get a collective sponsor for the league, so it's not Bangkomer or whatever, it's you get something new, and then you add into the... I mean, I'm, I'm painting, this is this is the positive, you know what I mean? This is the how it... I'm trying to sell it to you, you know what I mean? Then you put in the Pumas, the Cruz Azul, the America, and, you know, and, you know Chivas, Tigres, Monterrey, um, and all of a sudden, I don't know, I think it's going to... Is it going to get more interest than, than what it was, than it did have? Um, I mean, from my point of view, which is a completely selfish point of view, and you know, it's just what I'm into. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm attracted to the fact that there's going to be younger Mexican players to, to keep an eye on coming through. Um, I mean, I think that's that's what appeals to me about it. But um, but yeah, I mean, you know, like I said, that's that's the positive. And I think just going back, going just going back quickly, it's, um, if everything goes right in Liga MX, and you know, we're not going to chat again about you know the MLS thing and the the potential joining together, but if everything goes well for for Liga MX, they're gonna they're gonna grow big in the next five six years, you know, and 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 you know, ho- not hopefully, but and if if that does happen, which you know obviously I do hope it does, then are the second division teams gonna be then even further left behind? If you know what I mean? Exactly. And I, because I, I, that's what, that's all this is for. This is to get a Mexican first division whatever it's going to look like, as strong as possible. It's to secure, it's basically protecting the owners. It's protecting the, the club of owners that kind of get together, that make the decisions and that want to protect their investment. Um, their, their argument is that they're the ones putting the money, you know, like Irarogori said, they're, putting, they're, they're, not, they're not just talking, they're actually putting the, the money down. And and so, you know, hopefully they, they continue to put the money down and they increase it now that they don't have relegation. And then there's new investment. And then if all, all that happens, my only my question is, how the hell is Black Scala gonna gonna compete with that? What I'm wondering too is if just because there is no more promotion left, and maybe this isn't actually that good point. I mean, obviously, it's I'm not I'm not a player, so I don't have this perspective. But you know, if will this also lead to more players wanting to play for the reserves of Liga Mekis teams? Because if the path to Liga Mekis is closed, you know, through no promotion, if you're a player, why not try to push for reserve side of Liga Mekis side in order to hope to move up because if you play for Chivas B and if you do well for Chivas B then they can easily call you up as opposed to let's say I don't know playing for for another uh, second division side so I wonder if there's going to be a big push uh, to join 
uh, to join one of those Liga Mekis uh, reserve sides as well. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think it's, it's extra players. And I think if there's more players, especially more young players, and there's more places to play, then that's a, that's a good thing. Um, I mean, we can even chat briefly if you want, you know, uh, quickly. And I was just going to mention the... Um, I thought it was you know, unfortunate the Bonilla comment about when he when he was asked, I think, on Fox, saying like, oh, what's going to happen to the players who, who kind of get cut, you know what I mean, from the second division, which has been a massive thing. I mean, the players' union have come out and and kind of criticised it, and um, you know, and and Bonilla was asked and and basically came out and he was quoted as saying that you know they can if they don't if they can't find the way to Liga MX and you know they can go elsewhere and to Panama and places like that. <laughs> like, and I thought it was an unfortunate. Yeah, it was. It was rude. It was an unfortunate comment. Wait, but the the Ruben, who who was the journalist there, who asked it, he included Panama in the question. So it's one of those where. <laughs> You know the, the the kind of the person being interviewed repeats the uh, you know the phrase in the question and then gets absolutely screwed over it in a way. But uh, but yeah, no, it is it is it is brutal. It will be brutal for for quite a few of these players. And you know it goes back to what I was saying uh, I think last week as well. I mean, Liga MX that needs to needs to work on the reputation it's got in terms of paying the wages, in terms of sweeping up this mess at Veracruz, which still goes on. I mean, the players still haven't been paid. In you know what what's going on there. Um, and they, they need to they need to do these little things to improve the image. Um, but yeah, um, but yeah, I think yeah. the other thing I was going to mention as well is the Liga de Balompié Mexicano, which Carlos Salcido is now going to be president of. Is everyone excited about that? <laughs> yeah. you know, I, 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 I know how you guys feel. Is this basketball? I, feel... <laughs> <laughs> I, I know how you guys feel, but I feel like little by little, it's like. The same things that we've seen in American soccer, we're now seeing a little bit in like Mexican soccer. It's like pro 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 rel arguments. Now suddenly there's like these alternative leagues like showing up. And I bet you what's gonna happen, same thing in American soccer, is that you're gonna have like the pro rel people in Mexican soccer Twitter, which you'll like and you'll be like, No, I agree with you, but you're you're just so annoying about it. Or like or what'll happen is like is like you'll what same thing with like American soccer is that you'll have um people watching that Liga de Balompié Mexicano and like rooting for Salcida to do well and for them to be like soccer purists to be like no this is the real football not that Liga Mekis because that's kind of what happens with with uh with people who root for I don't know like Nisa sides or USL sides or lower league American soccer sides I, I, I just wonder if that's something that like the same thing that we're seeing in American soccer if that's something we're going to see with Mexican soccer too I don't know anything about it <laughs> like the league I makes Valompié, I was like, I was trying to do a little more research, and I'm like, okay, guess. I mean, well, is, no, I mean, is it going to be on TV? That's all I care. Yeah, I mean, the yeah, I mean, they're talking a good game. I mean, they're a new new league. You know what I mean? You've got to, you've got it's to like talk the XFL. A, a good game. So they're talking about yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're talking about you know a collective TV rights deal. They're talking about three divisions. They're talking about. You know, uh, you know, giving players opportunities. They're talking about a limit on runners um, and all, all those kind of things. And they're talking about bringing like, the game to to places that you know maybe don't have a professional team right now. Um, severe doubts that it's going to be a success, to be honest. Um, but I am actually at the same time surprised that you've got Carlos Salcido who's yeah. going to be the president, and then you've got Ramon Ramirez who's going to be sporting director of um, Ensenada. And it's like those things do surprise me a little bit. 
Yeah. No, and, and it's definitely interesting too, especially with Salcido when you consider as well that he was a, I don't know, a key factor in the creation of the players' union as well. You know, so you wonder what kind of connections he has there. What players will he be able to bring over? What essential players? are going to be perhaps maybe making the move over here because, I mean, let's not forget. I mean, if we're looking at the the rosters for current essential teams, and if we're looking at, you know, that only eight players above the age of 23 uh, can take part in each squad, I mean, that's going to be a complete revamp for most, if not all, squads. So the way that, I mean, the way that I feel is that maybe the quality of soccer might not be that good, but we've talked about beforehand how, you know, it would be nicer to see more professional teams in Mexico. And if there's more professional teams, then I don't know. I welcome it. I welcome it. It'll be interesting to see how it develops. I'm now following them on Twitter. I already see that Cesar and Tom are following Liga de Valencia Mexicano. <laughs> there's a fair, there's a fair uh, few of the uh, English uh, Twitter uh, Liga MX guys on there. So uh, perfect, perfect. And we'll do that. Yeah, no, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, the, th- the thing about it is I don't know how they're going to get sponsorship money. Um, I don't know how how the attendance is going to look like. You know, it's all these kind of things. I don't know where the money's coming from, which is, you know, a big question mark as well. Um, and basically, the big one is that the Mexican Federation is never going to kind of recognize oh, no. the league. They're going to be jerks about it. I mean, there's no way. I mean, basically, the league, the league, the one of the guys running the league, said i think last week that um that basically um you know it needs to it needs to be running first before they can apply to be recognized by the federation now i mean they're just not going to accept it and then once they don't accept it this is the thing i don't understand then you're not kind of registered with fifa either as i understand it they'd have to go through the mexican federation to then be a kind of affiliated to fifa and then if you're not affiliated to FIFA, then how do you do transfers and you know stuff like that? How do you register players? How do you do that? You know what I mean? It's uh, I mean I'm sure there's a way around it. I mean it's it's also like Mexico, isn't it? So <laughs> there's a lot of teams out there that I'm sure aren't kind of officially registered with the federation. But um, but yeah, it's those kind of question marks that made me think. I don't know. I mean I'm, I I just think it's not going to work. But then yeah. I am surprised that there are former players. Um, and one of the rumours is that Rafa Marquez is also involved because he's now basically done exactly the same as Salcido and he's you know, just he's come he's not with that that players association anymore. So I don't know. There's there's interesting stuff going on. I mean, this is a it's a fascinating time now for Mexican football. I mean, it really does feel like um, a, a big moment for for the whole game. Um, they could just go play pan. Panamanian teams and, <laughs> and could join together. they could join could together and then make a super Mexico Panama League <laughs> and there could be a, there could be an actual like team called the Panamerica instead of just regular America <laughs> America the Panamerican <laughs> oh man man yeah again I when I look at all these types of like when you said you know this is an interesting time I have, sometimes I just go I just don't have no faith in the leadership at, at times um, and then I'm like, well, hopefully everything goes okay. And it's a long time between six was, and six years, but and, and a little bit of a tangent here. And I tweeted this out semi recently because they were talking about an episode of Football Picante. But one thing that no one's really talked about recently, and we still have any updates, and obviously everything's completely up in the air, is, is uh, the Copa Mekis. You know, you know what what does this mean? For the for, so everything we've talked about, everything that we've discussed, everything about the first division, the second division, you know, what does this mean for the Copa Mekis? Because let's say, 
don't know if uh, so once the second second division is finally organized reorganized are those teams still going to take part in the competition and if they're not going to take part in the competition then what's the point of the Copa Mekis if it's just first division size you know because I, th- I think it'd be oh, really exciting but why wouldn't they that's what yeah. I don't get yeah I think it'd be really exciting if, if if you include the second division clubs because then you could have the. I think the Copa Mekis would then be more exciting because you can have young squads taking on older Liga Mekis teams. In theory, it'd be good experience for those second division teams. But I, I'm just I'm just I'm just wondering yeah, what's I mean, going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think the threat to Copa Mekis is the league's cup. You know, the expanding yeah. league's cup. Yeah. So the more you yeah. do that kind of thing, then the, yeah. the more difficult it is. And at the end of the day, that's where the money is. In terms of future TV deals, blah blah blah, playing in the states, we know we know that we know the we know the we know the equations. There's a lot more money to be made from that than um, you know playing the Copa MX, which is one of the reasons why they've done it. So, but I, I think that I I see the problem with the cup the the cup is yeah. is more more the league's cup rather than the you know what's happening with the second division because I don't, I don't know I don't see any reason why it should necessarily change. No, it's a good point. USL. That's a good point. Versus Ascenso. <laughs> Dude, I would watch that. Uh, there uh, we go. Front and center. Let's go, man. Perfect. I'm down for that. <laughs> I could actually see some games here with with the Phoenix Rising, and we have. Oh, dude. dude, I'm down. Atla- for that. Uh, I'm down. So there we go. I'm just. I'm full of ideas today. I'm, and if not, you can go against Panamanian teams. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other thing. Um, <laughs> the other thing I'm going to say about the. Um, I think I mentioned on the last pod about something with the second division and, you know, the like the MLS is doing their own second division now as well. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how it's Now I've seen what it looks like from the Mexican side. I'm not sure that MLS side is going to want to, is going to allow eight overage players. I mean, I think they want a straight out development league. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They don't, they don't want a kind of league that where you've got the, you know, you can have eight of the starting eleven that are like real pro, you know, pros over the age of twenty-three, established pros. I think what they want is kind of competition for the for the for that age group, the twenty to twenty-three. You know, they need to make that step up. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see with that from the Mexican side as well if that if that kind of gets eroded. You know what I mean? As as time goes on, I don't I don't know. I've got no idea, and I don't know. And again, I think I think you mentioned it, Cesar, last week, but. The one thing I don't like, and I didn't like about this minus rule, and um, Tuca Ferretti has, has talked about it a lot, but it's like once they get past the age, yeah. it's like what happens to them then? Exactly. And that was the big yeah. problem with the minus rule in Liga MX, which is, you know, I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of glad it's gone. I, I think it should be up to the club's own philosophy to play the players, and I think there are more and more clubs now in Liga MX that that have got that philosophy, that realise that they can produce players and then sell them and make money. I mean, I think that's that's kind of becoming more of a business model in Liga MX. So, so yes, but um, but yeah, it does kind of concern me that in the second division there's going to be a lot of players every year. I mean, every single year because you know a 23 year old player is going to be a, is a lot more likely to get minutes than a 20 year old who's just kind of fresh and getting you know first minutes of first team soccer, and so. So then, when they get 24, whoever's the kind of sporting director and the and the coach of the second division club is then going to have to kind of look at those eight and decide whether they might have four 24-year-olds in one season, and then out of those four, they're then going to have to decide how many of them they put in the eight overage players and and then get rid of 
<laughs> the other ones fire fire those ones and what they do with them you know what i mean it just it to does panama seem... <laughs> i think i think i think too though i, I think uh i mean I, I mean i don't want to get like stuck in the weeds here when it comes to like roster rules and whatnot but that's why i'm hoping for i mean who knows what will happen but maybe a little bit more fluidity between uh let's say like a chivas and chivas b uh when it comes to moving a player up because maybe maybe there will be a rule where i mean kind of almost like a like a minor league baseball team where right so if like a player is doing really well you could just move them up to the to the senior side at any point because that'd be kind of cool because i think that provide more opportunity say say a player is doing very well for chivas b uh he's scoring a bunch of goals you know why not call him up uh even if it's the middle of the season why not allow a rule to be able to call him up because let's say he is 23 years old let's you, you know give him some time in the first division if, if they feel that he's capable even if it's in the middle of the essential season so who knows what will happen i imagine it, but that probably won't happen i yeah. probably something where it have to be at the end of the season and kind of still yeah. have like regular transfers but that'd be kind of cool to be able to see more yeah, fluid. i see more I'll, almost i like i like the idea just quickly i like the idea but i don't think the other clubs would allow it because out of the you'd have the the the, the league rights clubs with second division reserve teams and then others without. Mm-hmm. I think the others without would be like, what? You can't just, you can't well, just so they, see this doing well, well be and then at, bring him they, in. They, but then they would they would be an advantage because then say because then because then that Chivas B would be weaker, right? Because then if Chivas B because they're better they're no, better I mean, player. I mean, I mean the, the teams the, the teams in the yeah clubs. the first division teams that don't have a B team. Oh, uh, I see what you mean. So I you see have a pool of other ones. Well, yeah, hurry up and get a B team, suckers! Get on top of this. On. Everybody love the, the Liga de Expansión. <laughs> Come on! I, you know what? I, I was kind of thinking about that, right? Like, what what those players do, and the only kind of solution that I could see is kind of look north. Panama. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead of Panama, look to MLS. Look to USL. Look at you know twenty four year old player you know that let's say it's because of the overage and you're stuck you know why not look up and i think that's you're going to start seeing that and especially with with the relationships that are um that are going to start building so yeah um, no def- definitely 100 percent agree and i think yeah. i think we've already seen it to be honest mm-hmm. over the last and not just with the states i think we've seen a lot of mexican players going to central america mm-hmm. and and yeah. usl and and you know the, i don't know and and as i don't know as time goes on, I just think there's going to be more, more scouting. There's going to be more development. There's going to be there's going to be more awareness of what's going on in neighboring countries. Because I don't know if you look at it like Mexico and the states. Actually, it, there's a very very considering the leagues aren't altogether different in terms of standard. There's, there has been very very little movement historically. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got the big players who have gone to play in, in MLS, and you've had a few players trickling down into Mexico. But there's been very little movement, considering considering how close the, the you know the border that they share and that the leagues aren't you know too different. Um, but I think I think that I, I honestly think that it's going to be something that's going to blow up in me over mm-hmm. the over that's the next five years. That's what I see. That definitely. Um, all right, guys, spent. Probably the most time we've ever talked about second division on the Mexican soccer over eight years <laughs> in the last two. Uh, and uh, I think we'll just we'll continue to, to give you guys the news, especially when uh, you know it's on all of the talk shows on, in Mexico, and that's what everybody keeps talking about. Um, but uh, there's there's some other news that, that uh, I wanted to kind of touch on really quick uh, before we end the show. Uh, there's some uh, unfortunately over the last few days the news that um, Chicharitos. Grandfather, um, 
passed away. And uh, before we, I mean, obviously our condolences from the show and to the family of, uh, uh, from all of us. But uh, it's uh, on a special note, you know, especially with with a person like uh, Gigi's grandfather. I think we have Tom, who got a chance to interview the family back in 2009 tom why right when he went to manchester united and uh sad sad if you have not seen uh the the live but i think it's really interesting in the way that you know chicharito just got on and just spoke from his heart uh, about his grandfather and his instagram live and i'm sure it's still pretty much up if not we'll we'll retweet it but uh wanted to share those news and uh everybody's sharing it right now tom yeah no yeah no but you know obviously you know um the chicharito thing it is interesting because he does get criticism for kind of his youtube show for being so open just for just laying it on the line right now but it's also like it was easy to kind of just let out a statement you know what i mean i think most the vast majority of players or public personalities would have would have left let, let out a statement and just released a statement that was approved by the club and blah 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 and you know yeah he's really sad and you know but to, to actually just put on the live where you've got no control it does it does say something about about him as well and he gets criticized a lot but you saw the rawness there you know what i mean you really did see the rawness it was pretty pretty difficult to watch you know yeah um and obviously yeah. he was he was very close to his to his granddad thomas balcaster who um who obviously played for Chivas was part of the the club's first title winning team in in um 1957 when Campionissimo when the club was part yeah, of that too. Be- yeah began the and, and kind of got rid of the Yamamerito which mm-hmm. they, they couldn't they couldn't win that first title so um so yeah and then he you know he played for Mexico for the 1954 World Cup scored against France with which Chicharito did Many years later, in um, in 2010. So yeah, I mean, you know, I went there to his house in 2010. Uh, it was interesting because it was just before yeah, Chicharito just signed for United, and I think about a week later I went there. Um, but he hadn't like been to, you know, he signed the papers and he'd come back, and obviously there was a lot of attention. But I feel like it was just before it was kind of international attention because I mean, this guy was already known by everyone in, you know. Tomas Balcazar was was already known by everyone in Guadalajara. Obviously, I mean he's got he's got a street named after him um, in the, in Zapopan, and so so yeah, I mean it was you know I went down there and I don't know I just felt they were just absolutely real, you know what I mean? He was just straight up. He was very like kind of like you know tapatio, very like joking around with his wife, you know, kind of like loved to tell tales, you know, was really expressive, you know, really really kind. Um, but yeah, I mean that that was just my experience. I mean, he couldn't they couldn't have been nicer to me at that time. And and um, but you know, th- there's there's a couple of pieces that I've read over the last uh, day or so. I think Rafa Ramos' piece on ESPN uh, is brilliant. I mean, it is absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, it, it it provides a lot of anecdotes and um, you know and what he was like. And and also Hector. Huerta also on ESPN wrote one, and Hector Huerta was was a good friend of of, uh, of Don Tomas, mm-hmm. and you know, kind of both of them kind of share these these stories about what it was like, and I don't know, I mean, I think that I think the the thing that kind of not struck me, but you kind of I don't know, you kind of realize that you, you read a lot, and it's like, oh, Chicharito's granddad passed away, and but it's just like when when you read the Rafa Ramos and the Huerta piece. It's like you get, you really get a sense of, you know, who he was. You know what I mean? Um, and not, 
and not just kind of as a player, but, you know, he worked for a long time in, in youth development in Chivas and, you know, he loved working with younger players and, and you know, a lot of the, the players that were developed at, at Chivas in the later years, um, you know, worked with him. And, and, you know, they tell stories about him, uh, Don Damas kind of joking around with journalists and telling him that a player had gone over there when they hadn't. And I don't know, it's uh, it was good to read both those stories, so highly recommend them. And, yeah, no, just... Uh, yeah, not not great, not great times, and you know, I don't know. It's just the coronavirus as well. I mean, it's it's awful enough, you know, losing somebody close to you. But you know, when when you can't travel to to the funeral and and you can't even have a real funeral, you know what I mean? Um, because now, you know, with with Nacho Treyes and Balcázar, now you know the two kind of legendary figures of Mexican football. Who, you know, Mexican football hasn't really been able to say goodbye to. Um, because of what's going on so yeah no really really sad news definitely yeah and especially i mean obviously never watched chicharito's grandpa play we're all obviously a little too young but it was a name that was constantly 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 brought up because of what he achieved with chivas you know what tom was talking about there and you know tom when he was talking about right there with the impact that he's had you know and you kind of wonder you know you know, you know, would Chicharito have ever reached a level he hit were not for the influence and help of his grandfather? You know, and it's been it's quite clear, you know, not even you know recently, but over the years, how important Chicharito's uh, grandfather has been to him. So, I mean, just you know, you know, once again, that's what Chicharito and his family, and just yeah, yeah, I don't know, just uh, obviously a very, very important figure in Mexican soccer. Yeah, it's sad. Yeah. Oh, definitely, de- de- definitely with Chicharito. Though, what I mean is a massive influence because this guy, there was a quote. I think I used in a story that said um, after he signed for Man United, I think he was asked like, "Oh, you know, what are you going to do when he returns and all that?" And he was like, "You know, we're not going to we're not going to set off fireworks. We're not going to kind of have a big parade or anything. We're just going to kind of welcome him home like the like the you know the beloved grandchild that he is. You know what I mean? And and you know, obviously, I don't know that I, just, I just think that showed a lot about the mentality that it's like, yeah, you've done something, but it's not like you're not established yet. You know what I mean?" And I think sometimes other players don't have that that kind of family background that obviously his grandfather, you know, played the highest level, and then his father as well was part of the mm-hmm. on, on on the other side of the family um, was part of the '86 squad, <laughs> and it's like you can definitely see that influence where you don't just go, you don't just sign for Man United, you sign for Man United and you make an impact and you play Champions League final because you know, and I, and I feel like. A lot of players don't get that, not just from Mexico, but you know, a lot of players sign that big contract and that big deal or whatever, and they think for some reason they made it. Then I mean, the money starts coming in, obviously, and I think that having having a family with obviously Don Tomas and then and then Chicharito um, was obviously massively helped Chicharito's development and, and kind of mental, I don't know, mental focus and, and aiming for absolute, something absolutely really really high. I think one of the quotes that when I was watching the live, she said it was live was kind of like that his grandfather told him that, you know, thank you for continuing the passion that I have. And I see myself in, in you with the way that you love the game. Yeah. And I thought, I thought that was like, that's cool, man. You know, it's like, and you see that with Chicharito, you see that if there's something about Chicharito's career is the passion that this guy has for the game. And, and I don't want to get into like, oh, you know, others don't have it or whatever. No, just stick with the way Chicharito, when he scores the goal and he looks like a little kid when he's smiling or when he was crying, you know, after all the pressure 
um, um, or scoring in the World Cups continuously. 2014, no? Yeah. He started crying. He just started crying. And 18, yeah, after after the Germany game. After I, the Germany game, I yeah. Think, I think it was the one where he was just like, he just, there's so much passion that came through me. And, and you see that, and it's, it's kind of cool to hear that that came from his grandfather, that when you're scoring a goal and that comes through, it's not just because of you, it's because of everything that's amounted in you and it's part of the game. So... I thought that was very touching, and it shows that human side that sometimes we don't see from players, and uh, we're seeing more because of social media. But um, the news stuff, like kind of like this, hits, and everyone just knows and respects the fact that you know it's a, a player and someone that molded the way Chicharito is because of his uh, Gran Don uh, Tomas. So uh, yeah, we wanted to share that with you guys, and interesting to see that Tom was able to go and visit and, and talk to him. So. Uh, you know, to hear the, the little bit of stories, and it sounds like a, a like like a cool guy, especially with the Joker and 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 that same mentality and that tapatio, like you said, Tom. So that that was pretty cool. Um, all right. Well, uh, any any other news, Cesar, Tom? I know we kind of touched. Let's see. We got Liga MX. Doesn't well, we talked a little bit about? It. We might, it may come back. Are, are we giving up on e league Mikey's? Because guess what? After uh, yeah. after wa- after watching a few days, I kind of got over a little bit. I'm not. Gonna uh, you lie. know what? I had that in my actual notes. I'm like, are you guys still watching e league Mikey's? Are they still yeah. going on? Players are complaining that they're not. <laughs> I watched. I, I watched. <laughs> you know what? Everybody. Okay. Sorry. 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 You guys. Are I was just gonna say the, the first weekend. Like I was like really into it, and I was like, all right, actually, this is a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And then like. And it just kind of died down a little bit. And every now and then, maybe I'll like, you know, turn on the TV and see who's who's playing, see who's like, you know, if there are, if there are any matches on. But I don't know. I kind of, I, I kind of, I kind of lost the excitement for it. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, I've struggled. I've struggled with me. I kind of liked the idea at the start, and then kind of it started, and I was like, it's just difficult to really care about it that much. You know what I mean? I think like if you if you're like a fan of a club, I think maybe it's like. You know, you don't want to get bad, but it was funny. It was funny in today's game because because uh, Tigres absolutely destroyed Santos, but the but the the the, the Santos player um, Lalo Aguirre is apparently amazing, and um, and the Venegas who played for for Tigres wasn't that supposed to be that good, and Tigres won four zero, and so now <laughs> online there's all these things about um, about uh, it was fixed. <laughs> It was match fixing because you've got because you've got the betting companies now, like kind of putting no odds way. and like it's like uh, Santos were ridiculous. They were favourite by so much. Like no, you're talking, I don't know, I don't have the number, but it was way. ridiculous. And so everyone's now going. It was it was match fixing in the e league. It's like man, it's too funny. You can't make it up. But anyway, I it is what it is. What I remember, I think it was after the first weekend, like some Cruz Azul player, I forget who it was, like like played terribly, and he had like uh, the connection like issues. Everybody was like criticizing him about like I'd be like, oh, actually, like you had those connection issues in quotes because uh, you weren't playing that well. And if I remember correctly, I, I might be wrong in this, but I think he like started to challenge people online and be like, no, nah, like if you think that I'm a terrible player, challenge me. Here's what you like. <laughs> I forget who it was. I forget who it was. I wouldn't be surprised if there was match fixing. <laughs> anyway, all right, guys. Um, well, uh, 
again, thanks again, uh, Tom and Cesar, for continuing with Mexican Talk Show. We record on Mondays. And uh, as always, we'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, some of you have uh, tweeted at us regarding last week's, but uh, what do you think about the, you know, all these changes? And now that you're uh, obviously listened to the last two episodes, you know, do you feel a little better instead of there's not going to be any more promotion relegation? The second division is going away. But, you know, we're giving you a little more details on what it can look like. We're kind of in the fence. You know, we kind of wish that it worked. It works as well as it's written, but uh, we don't trust the process. So we'll I think, see. I think we'll see yeah, I think let's let, let's just see how it plays out. Let's yeah, see how it plays out. It I don't know. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Let's uh, wait six years to play. <laughs> <laughs> then we'll, we'll do see. a follow up pod. We'll follow up pod. <laughs> it's here. What do you guys think about it? Um, well, we'll see. We'll see. All right. Uh, we still don't have a date when uh, Liga MX will come back. Some, maybe July uh, if everything works good. That's what Tom's saying, but. Well, I mean, we'll see. Some sports around the world, like I said, are are slowly looking at things. So, as soon as we know, believe us, we will be the we will be uh, we'll be talking all about it. Tom, again, continue swimming in your uh, pool. <laughs> Hopefully, you get the chance to have at least a little bit of a garden. And Cesar, continuing with uh, expanding your square footage of your apartment into your neighbors, which uh, awesome. they haven't said anything yet. They haven't cool. said anything yet. Cool, cool, cool. All right, guys. Uh, we'll be, uh, I know Amy and Adriana took the day today, and hopefully we'll be back next week. Another edition of the Mexican Talk Show. Hasta la próxima. Bye.